Hopefully this uh, this microphone signal will work. <laughs> okay, let's go to uh, Proverbs chapter 1. We are in a series on wisdom. And we're going to have a summer of wisdom. This is part four of this sermon series. And today we are going to look at several passages. We're going to look at a number of different passages. But I'm going to read Proverbs chapter 1, verses 20 to 27. And then let me ask you to jump over to chapter 3, verses 11 and 12. I've already read these verses, but I didn't particularly focus on these particular verses um, in previous messages. And, and then I'll, I'll, I'll share with you some other verses. But today's message I've entitled Humility and Receiving Correction. It's not an easy topic about hearing reproof. That's one of the, the, way, the way the Bible puts it, to receive reproof. Um, none of, nobody likes somebody telling you something is wrong and it needs to be fixed. But it is an absolutely essential part of wisdom according to the scripture. So let me read that and then we'll get into today's message. Verse 20 of chapter 1. This is the word of God. Wisdom cries aloud in the street. In the markets she raises her voice. At the head of the noisy streets she cries out. At the entrance of the city gates she speaks. How long, O simple ones, will you love being simple? How long will scoffers delight in their scoffing and fools hate knowledge? If you turn at my reproof, behold, I will pour out my spirit to you. I will make my words known to you. Because I have called and you refuse to listen, have stretched out my hand and no one has heeded, because you have ignored all my counsel and would have none of my reproof, I also will laugh at your calamity. I will mock when terror strikes you, when terror strikes you like a storm and your calamity comes like a whirlwind when distress and anguish come upon you. That's a scary thing to hear from wisdom. Let's go to chapter 3, verse 11 and 12. My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline or be weary of his reproof. Let me just read that again. Do not despise the Lord's wisdom or be weary of his reproof. For the Lord reproves him whom he loves. As a father, the son in whom he delights. There will be some other passages that I'm going to go over. um, But let's let's pray um, for today's message. Lord, what we're going to talk about today is not easy to hear. And we are a people filled with insecurity and we want to put up we want to put up the the facade and, and the last thing we want is for some people to come into our lives and tell us what's wrong with us and to be corrected and reproved but we don't want to hear from you and we don't want to hear from our friends and our neighbors and our brothers and sisters but we need to and I pray that um, this word that I preach today, it would really come from you and you would speak and you would give conviction to all of us who do so very much need this and let Jesus be exalted and you would give us a heart to find our security in him and to become deeper and wiser people by allowing others to speak into our lives. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. To start this message, let me tell you a little story I heard from um, a pastor that I respect. Um, some of you maybe have heard of him. His name is C.J. Mahaney. 
C.J. Mahaney is a, is a pastor who started a network of churches called the Sovereign Grace Ministries. And recently, my wife and I were listening to uh, a message that he gave at um, a conference, and he told this story. Once he was uh, sitting, he was in New York City. He was in the middle of Manhattan. I don't know if you've ever been to Manhattan. It is a city full of power brokers and people who are dressed really well because they, well, because they rule the world, okay? And um, so he was sitting in a diner in New York City, and, you know, at a couple tables away from him was uh, a gentleman who was wearing a really sharp, super nice suit. The guy was, I mean, I, I have this picture of a guy wearing a $3,000 suit, and he looked perfect. The, the shirt was sharp and the cufflinks were just right and he was wearing a power tie and the hair, every hair was just, I mean, it was, he looked perfect and he looked ready to walk out of that, you know, out of the diner, go to his meeting and, you know, and make his millions of dollars and, and rule the world and become the masters of the universe like as, as they like to do in, in New York City. And... Um, he called the, the waitress over for the check and he, as he was looking at this guy who looked perfect, he was you know, paying his bill and he noticed that on his face he had this glob of cream cheese right there on his face. And Mahaney sat there thinking, I wonder, will anybody tell him? <laughs> will anybody tell him he got this glob of cream cheese right there on his face, ruining his perfect look. Okay? Now, that's a funny story, but here is where it gets a little more terrible. The fact is, all of us have cream cheese on our face. <laughs> and you go out into the world, and you know you put on your clothes, and you have a certain kind of exterior image that you put out to the world, but for the people who know you, but for the people who know you, they know, they know that they just look at you and go, yep, cream cheese, there it is, right there. They don't see no power tie. They don't see some super suit. They don't see some, they, they're not fooled by your perfect hair and cufflinks. They just look straight at you and go, yep, cream cheese on your face. And you know, when you talk to them, sometimes they tell you that. Sometimes they tell you, hey, there's something ugly on your face. <laughs> you, should, you should wash it off. And you know what we do? They're like, no, there isn't. <laughs> no, there isn't. No, there isn't. And we tell them. And they tell you, and they tell you, and they tell you, and they keep telling you. And after a while, they get sick of telling you, and then they give up. Right? Isn't this the way it normally is? This is the way we are. And this is the drama of the world. Right? This is the drama of our life. And if you can't hear this, if you can't hear people telling you that, you, you're a fool. <laughs> right? that's, that's what today's what we're talking about. Now let me talk about this in three parts as I usually do. Part one, I'm going to call it humility and listening. Humility and listening. Part two, I'm going to talk about the need for gospel wisdom communities. The need for great need for gospel wisdom communities. And part three, I'm going to talk about the gospel itself and inner security. 
inner security. Let's talk about part one, humility and listening. Now, look, this first thing I'm going to tell you, it's not, it's not earth shattering. You all know this. You all, this. Most people, we all want to think that we have some, at least some modicum of humility. I mean, who goes around saying, most people think a proud person is a person that goes out and puffs themselves up, is constantly bragging about themselves, telling everybody how great they are, trying to get everybody to see how great they are, and trying to show themselves up. Now, do you know anybody like that? You probably all know at least one or two people like that. But for the most part, most of you probably aren't like that, right? And thus you think, well, I'm sort of kind of humble. I, I must at least have some humility. But actually, the Bible, if you, one of the great acid tests, right? The Bible says a couple things. Regularly, a person who is not humble, he can't be wise. Lack humility, you're, you're a fool. You're already just already on the wrong path of life just if you lack humility. But two, a key acid test on humility is do you listen? Do you listen when somebody tells you there's something wrong with you? Here, let, let, let me just show you. Let's go over these, these. Let me just show you how repeatedly the Bible gets at this. The Bible has said this so repeatedly, and, and of course, we're just like uh, we do with all these other people, we don't listen. Um, go, to, uh, go to verse uh, 22 of chapter 1. Oh, simple ones, how long will you love being simple? How long will scoffers delight in their scoffing and fools hate knowledge? And listen to this verse 23. If you turn at my reproof, if wisdom is saying this, when somebody actually corrects you, if you turn, if you turn at my reproof, behold, I will pour out my spirit, the spirit of wisdom into you and make my words known to you. Right? So that... Go, if you drop down a little bit in version, verse 24, because I have called and you refuse to what? Listen. Have stretched out my hand and no one heeded. No one has heeded because you have ignored all my counsel and have, would have none of my reproof. That's because I'm going to laugh at you when your life falls apart. That's what wisdom is saying. It's harsh words. Um, I, I, Let's go to, uh, let me let's just, just show you. You know, I read verse chapter 3, 11 and 12. For the Lord reproves him whom he loves as a father, the son in whom he delights. You know what this, that, that's saying? If someone loves you, they correct you. But you know what the Bible is also saying? You need correction. That's what the Bible is also saying. The Lord loves you and thus he corrects you. But that also means you need correction. And thus, you shouldn't be running away from it. You should actually welcome it and understand that it's coming from someone who loves you. Let's go over a few other verses. Go to um, chapter 6. If you, have the, if you have your Bible, jump over to chapter 6. Chapter 6, verse 23. For the commandment, that is the commands from someone who is wise, the commandment is a lamp and a teaching a light. In other words, if you don't hear this, you're wandering around in darkness. And the reproofs, here we go, the reproofs, reproof is a strong word, actually. It means a little more than correction. It's kind of a stern or a tough correction. The reproofs of discipline are the way of life. Let's put it, let's, let me put it a little bit more negatively to, to highlight it. If you never hear any reproof, and you never receive correction, you are in the way of death. Let me put it 
put it that way. No correction or proof in your life, you're actually on the way toward death. That's another way of putting it. Let's go to chapter um, chapter 8. Let's go to chapter 8. Let's go to verse 32. Verse 32, it says, And now, sons, listen to me. This is a, uh, a wise father again. Blessed are those who keep... Oh, no, this is wisdom. Blessed are those who keep my ways. Hear instruction and be wise. Hear it. Hear it? Hear the instruction and be wise and do not neglect it. Blessed is the one who listens to me, watching daily at my gates, waiting beside my door. So there's words, specific words. And will you hear them? Will you hear them? How about chapter 9? I'm going to blitz you. Chapter 9. Chapter 9, verse 7. I started this series uh, with, um, hearing this. Whoever corrects a scoffer gets himself abuse, and he reproves a wicked man incurs injury. You get it? People who are scoffers, in other words, the foolish, you know what they do? They actually reject and abuse and hurt. That's another reason why I think in our society, so, so few people are willing to receive correction. So you know what we do? We, we, don't, we, don't, we, we see cream cheeses on people's face, but then we don't actually go around telling them. Because <laughs> you know why? Because if we tell them, you know what we get? It's like no good deed goes unpunished in our society. You do that piece of good deed, and you get this, you get a piece of thankless anger. <laughs> That's what you get in return. That's what, so often that happens. And you know people that are like that? I'm sure you know people that are like that. And you may be like that. Uh, you just don't want to admit it, but you may be like that. How about verse 9? Give instruction to a wise man, and he will be still wiser. Teach a righteous man, and he will increase in learning. Why? Because he listens. <laughs> A wise man will actually hear it. And then he'll grow in his wisdom. But dumb people, foolish people, don't listen. They don't listen. They don't listen when you tell them, hello, look what's on your face. So obvious to me. You, you don't get it. Let me, let me just quick, uh, quick, three more verses. 10, chapter 10, verse 17. I mean, look how often it needs to be said. Chapter 10, verse 17. Whoever heeds instruction is on the path to life. There we go. Path to life versus the path to death. But he who rejects reproof leads others astray. I think this is the kind of society we live in. Almost everybody that I know in our society hates. And I, I do think it's a little more intense. I think it's more natural and normal in regular human sinfulness to want to, want to reject and not listen to correction and reproof. But in our society, we very much want to be self-sufficient. The last thing we want is anybody poking around in our business and telling us what's wrong with ourselves. So you know what we do? We're a society filled with people who don't listen. And then you know what we do? Then, then we give each other advice. <laughs> so we don't listen. And then we give each other advice. So then what are we doing? We are the blind leading the blind. We're a whole society leading each other astray. Let me offer this little thought to you. The conventional wisdom in our society, you might want to consider from the Bible's perspective, is conventional stupidity. Hmm. If there's a piece of conventional wisdom in our society, it might be the fools leading each other astray. Because we're a society that doesn't listen to wisdom. How about uh, ch chapter 12, verse 1? 
Whoever loves discipline loves knowledge. Man, isn't that terrible? Who loves discipline? But here's the, the, the next part's even worse. But he who hates reproof is stupid. He who hates reproof is stupid. That's really blunt, isn't it? I remember reading that verse and going, Oh, man, the Bible just told me that I'm stupid. Because <laughs> I do not like reproof. But here we go. He who hates reproof is stupid. Okay? There we go. The Bible's labeling you. The Bible's telling you. And if you happen to, you know, if the shoe fits, you know, you need to know that you're stupid, according to God. <laughs> right? That's, that's a tough one. Right? One more. Chapter 15, verse 12. Hmm? This is from the Bible. This is from the Scriptures. Inspired, infallible Word of God. I mean, that's tough, right? Verse 12. A scoffer does not like to be reproved. He will not go to the wise. Um, you know, over the course of my uh, pastoral career, I've literally had people say this to me. Okay? So, like, something will happen in, in one of my members, their life, and, like, the bottom will drop out, and they'll be, they'll be hurting. And then I... And then I go to them to help, try to help them. And somewhere in the middle of the conversation, they'll say something like this. Well, pastor, I actually kind of knew that maybe I had a problem with this. And I knew I should talk to you about it. But I didn't want to. <laughs> I didn't want to. Because uh, I was afraid. I, I didn't want to talk to you. Because I figured if I, if I talked to you, you would tell me that, that this is what's wrong with me. And so I avoided you. They would admit to me that they... Don't go, even though they actually had an inclination that I had some piece of wisdom that could help them, they actually avoided me. This, you know how many times I've had that conversation? I've had that actually quite a lot. And I suspect a lot of you, you know that there's somebody in your life, you have some instinct that they would have some words, but you don't actually go there because they might say something to you you don't want to hear. And so we actually literally avoid, we avoid the people that could actually tell you something, so you avoid wisdom, you avoid the wise. That's what kind of a backward people are we? But that's these things are common, aren't they? They're really common. Look, um, humility. This acid test. You know, don't go around trying to poke around in your life and get some kind of temperature. Uh, the humility temperature is high, or the humility temperature is low. Just watch yourself. Do you listen? And how about this? Do the people around you who really know you, do they constantly tell you? Do, do you regularly guess? But you don't listen. But you don't listen. But I told you that before. But I told you. But how come you don't listen? How about your, your, your husband or your wife? Husbands, there are many wives that tell their husbands, I told you that, but I keep telling you that. I keep telling you that. I keep telling you that. That is a hint. You are stupid. Okay? That is a hint. <laughs> That's a very big hint that you fall under the scoffer, stupid crowd and lack humility right there. I mean, and your wife knows you, okay? So, wise, I just did you a favor, okay? But a little bit less common, <laughs> a little bit less common, occasionally the husbands, they, usually husbands give up a lot faster. They tell their wife one thing, then they tell them twice, their wife doesn't listen, then they give up. So their wives think, oh, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good. <laughs> But their husbands have already given up. Right? So um, this is common. But we lack humility. We don't listen. Right? Now, let me just say, you know, where does this come from? The fact is, we're really insecure. You don't 
have enough security to tell someone to tell you, hey, there's something ugly on your face and I want to fix it. Right? We just lack that humility. We don't lack, we don't have the humility because we don't have the security. And we're fearful. We're prideful. We'd rather let everybody think we're okay. But so then we wander outside with junk on our face. Right? Um, let me say a few more things about this. Uh, most of you, you know, not most of you, all of you, you know you all underestimate how sinful you are. Oh, I'm a sinner. I'm a bad sinner. In fact, I believe in that doctrine. Total depravity. Yeah, I fall under total depravity. That's a concept. You know that? But when actually the rubber meets the road, you are a lot worse than you think. The, um, there, the, at, at the last church that we used to go to um, in, in, Philadelphia, in Philadelphia that my wife and I went to, there's a legendary pastor. His name is Jack Miller. And, he, and people who were pastor and Jack Miller, used to, oh yeah, Jack used to say this to us. He'd say it in sermons and he'd say it to your face. He'd say, hey, cheer up. You, you're a lot worse than you think you are. <laughs> you should cheer up. You really stink. <laughs> what does he mean by that? You are a lot more sinful than you think. But the reason is because there's the gospel. I mean, if you really were worse than you think you are, it would be devastating. But his point is, if you can turn to the gospel, you can actually see and begin to deal with how terrible you are. But the more you can admit that how messed up you are, it's actually very liberating. Because you know what people do? You all do this. You have this voice in your head. You know, there's like you. It's kind of weird. There's like a you talking to you, right? You know what I'm talking about? There's a you talking to you. And there's a voice in your head. That voice always has this impulse. Don't let anybody in. Make sure we're all good. We're all good. We're all good. You know what that voice is? You're good. You're good. Nobody else knows that you're bad. You're not that bad. Right? That voice is the you, the insecure you without Christ, which Paul calls the you in the flesh. And that voice is always telling you, okay, hide it up, be okay. And you're not that bad, you're not that bad. But actually, if you actually were to accept that you're even worse, which is the truth, than you actually think, then, then that is actually a path toward liberation. The more you can actually begin to go, oh, you walk out and somebody goes, hey, it's a really ugly piece of cream cheese on your face. You're like, it's actually worse than that. You want to see the wart too? <laughs> it's a real ugly wart. And let me show you the zit over here too. <laughs> you know? And if you could actually let people see all those things in your heart, how liberating is that? But until you can accept that truth, and then begin to live in it, marinate in it, that you are a lot worse than you think you are, what you're going to do is you're going to tell yourself that you're okay, you're going to overestimate your wisdom, and try to control your life. Most of you overestimate how wise you are and how, how put together you are, which is why you don't want to hear it when people tell you you're not wise enough. Oh, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good. No, you're not. This part's wrong. This part, you're dumb. I'm not dumb, you're dumb. Right? <laughs> You're dumb, right? Get out of here, right? So, like, you may not say it that way, but so isn't, that the, isn't that the immediate response of so many of us? When someone tells you there's something wrong with you, the immediate response is self-defense and then attack. <laughs> something wrong with you. 
I'm like, well, well, okay, I have a wart. I'm looking for the wart on you. <laughs> Let me point it out to you because you, you probably don't know how ugly you are, right? How dumb you are. But we want to do this because we, we overestimate how wise we think we are and then we try to control. It's very liberating if someone begins to tell you, you suck. And it's even worse than that. You suck even worse than you think. Isn't that great? <laughs> Your life, you really suck. But it's actually even worse than that. You suck even worse than you think. Wow. That's liberating. If you'll swallow that, then a big piece of wisdom to go with that is to start to listen. Listening is great. It's not easy. Right? I actually think I'm, an, I'm not a very good listener but you should have seen the way I was before. I was like F minus. <laughs> okay, I'm like maybe D plus now. Okay, <laughs> because if you think your pastor is a little thick headed, I'm a C. I'm like a C minus D plus listener. I used to be really bad. Okay, so you know, bit by bit, wisdom, humility changes you. It helps. Okay, let's go to part two of my message: um, the need for gospel wisdom communities. C.J. Mahaney likes to quote. He quotes in that same message. Quotes a. Uh, Somebody that um, that I also respect. Um, he he was a professor of counseling at Westminster Seminary. He, he's not doing that anymore. And his name is Paul Tripp, and Paul Tripp has this point that he says: people who are physically blind, they know that they're blind. They know there's something wrong with them. So you know what they do all throughout their life? They adjust. They make they make ways to figure out. So you don't have to go up to a, a physical blind person. Hey, buddy, you're blind. You're like, well, duh, that's why this dog is sitting right here, buddy. <laughs> so that's why they get help. They find ways to adjust to the fact that they're physically blind. But spiritually blind people don't have a clue that they're spiritually blind. Isn't that weird? And you are probably blind in exactly the place where the cream cheese is on your face. I actually think the, the situation is much worse than the way C.J. Mahaney is, is placing it. If you told a guy cream changes on his face, he goes, really? Really? <laughs> he'll probably go, he can go to the mirror and go, oh, there it is. Oh, oh, thanks, man. And he'd be grateful. But, you know, I think if there was actually a mirror that you could see yourself in, human beings could spiritually see your heart and see yourself in the one place where there's an ugly glob of, of, uh, of cream cheese, you, your eyes would look straight at it and go, oh, I don't see anything there. <laughs> and you know why I think that? Because the evidence is all around me. There's this, uh, this, this wonderful and terrible place in one of C.S. Lewis's writings where he says, there's something that's wrong with you that everybody who knows you knows. <laughs> but, and then he goes, well, then why don't they tell me? Well, they've tried. So you can look into the mirror and you won't get it. So how can you find out? The only real mirror, the best mirror that you will get is other people. It's other people. If you really want to see what's wrong with you, you have to invite other people into your life. You have to. You have to be in community. If you're not in community, you are going to be the idiot walking around with warts and junk like that all over the place. Now, you can hide it, hide it, hide it from the people who don't know you, but anybody who really knows you 
we'll, we'll, we'll see it. And it, it doesn't really take much, quite frankly. And you think you're fooling the world, but you're not. Right? If you ever really want, you need community. And you need a community that believes in the gospel. Because it's in the gospel that is told this incredible thing. If you're just told that you stink, you're just going fight, to fight it like crazy. But in the gospel, you can have that liberation that Jack Miller trusts. That under Jesus, Jesus came and he washed us with his most precious blood of all the warts and all and worse. And there, there's a security from which people can tell you. That's what our, all our community groups are all about this. You know, um, I beg you, I repeatedly say to you, I sometimes yell at you, be in community, be in community, come to community group. I don't just say just physically show up. You have to let this stuff come out. And let me talk about one other thing that's really important. Why in our society, in our day and age, you hear this, you can read, you see this in the, uh, in, in the song, you hear it in the songs, and you listen to various different thinkers, and um, they're constantly, oh, we need community, we love community, we need, all need to be a set of community. And if you meet your average 35, young, un, your 35 and younger person who's educated today, they all think community is a beautiful thing. But the vast majority of them, I think, are full of it. Because you know what they, what they do? Why, if community is so important, everybody admits community is so important, how come we stink at it? How come there is such a lack of it? Because there's this other thing that we all also have going on, and that's this. That is, we grasp after, and we think something else is really important. It is, nobody gets to be in my business. I get to choose to let people to be in my business. And we have a word for it. That word is, you know what it is, Privacy. We think privacy. That's private, man. Privacy. Now, I'm not saying there's, no, there's nothing that should be private. Of course, something should be private. You're not going to go around and tell the whole world like how, how many times you have sex or, what you, or you know, when you use the bathroom or you know, how much money you spent on your credit card last year. Thing. Yes, privacy. There's sensible things to privacy. But you know what? If you really want people to be in your life and you think you... Know how you can put all the walls up and you think you have enough wisdom as to who to let into your life and who you can listen to from. If you think you have enough wisdom, most people think, I know who I'm going to let into my life. And then how many people do you let into your life? One? Maybe two? Do you have three people that actually knows your junk and you allow them to speak into your life and correct you and reprove you? Three? If you have three... In my opinion, you are ahead of the curve. <laughs> Most people may be lucky if they have one or two. So if you have three, front of the class, you are, you are ahead of the curve. But according to the Bible, you are ahead of the curve, but you're, you're, you're dumb. Three is not enough. Huh? That's how bad it is. And we assert this thing called privacy. I have a right to privacy. That's none of your business. Nobody, can, nobody should be able to know about that stuff. But so many people who are always asserting privacy, they will have a place in their life that will be very dysfunctional. It's just a matter of time before they have the calamity, just like the way wisdom says. So look, so let me ask you, question your right to privacy. 
and lower some of those bars and let brothers and sisters, and they don't have to have lots of wisdom. Maybe they just have a little bit of wisdom. You look at a person and goes, that person has no wisdom. Well, maybe they have the wisdom in the one place in your life that's needed for you. And instead of constantly looking at people thinking you have enough, you're smart enough to be able to judge them and decide whether you can let them into your life, why don't you trust God instead? God says, come, come into the church. Be a part of the family. Let your brothers and sisters come in and I will bring people into your life. It requires humility to let these ragtag, strange, wild, weird people come into your life and speak into your life. And be your mirrors. So you can actually begin to see. I was like, oh, wow. That really is junk on my face. Let me go to um, the last point. Um, you know, the gospel on inner security. Everything I just told you up to this point. Go to community. Have humility. Listen. These are not earth-shaking pieces of advice. Oprah Winfrey will tell you, and when Oprah tells you, you should listen. It's because she's wise, right? And on this point, right? I mean, she's not wise on her theology, but she's wise on this point, right? You can watch Dr. Phil. Any of you guys watch Dr. Phil? He's actually really entertaining, all right? I find him quite entertaining, right? And he will say points like this too, and, but, but, you know why we don't do it? We don't do it because you're not secure. Look, here's how security works. Um, if you ever, do you ever have a day when you wake up in the morning and you don't have to meet anybody whose opinion that you care about? Right? You don't have to go to work. You don't have to go to work. Your boss isn't going to be around. Your coworkers aren't going to sit next to you. You're not even going to hang out with your wife. You're not going to be with any, around any of your friends. You're just going to go out and put around yourself and maybe run a few errands. And if you ever have a day like this, how, how do you dress? How do you, how, what do you, on that day? Okay? Let me just guess. I mean, I'll, I'll, well, maybe, maybe I shouldn't attribute this to you, but on, that, on those days, I don't shower. <laughs> I don't bother to comb my hair. If, if I don't want people to think I look like a total idiot, I'll put a cap on my head. All right? But some days I just go, eh. Whatever, right? I don't shower. I may not have even brushed my teeth. And I got stubble coming off. I don't dress nice. I wear sandals, no socks, just wander around, whatever. Why are you like this? On that day, you know how you feel? I feel secure. Because nobody can tell me that I stink. You stink. You got bad breath. Nobody's going to like, like, like this. Nobody's going to start thinking about, I think we should fire Pastor Susan <laughs> because he does not brush his teeth when he comes to church. Right? And so let's, he may know about theology, but let's think about firing him. Right? <laughs> um, but you know, when you're around people, you don't care about everybody's opinion. You care about certain people's opinion. Certain people, they matter. And when they, when you are in front of them, and you are yourself, and they're okay with you, you know what? That's when you start to feel secure, isn't it? 
This is another reason why a community group is so important. I, look, you know, do you have these churches these days where you have like, they, it's like they have super duper buildings and they have an awesome band up front, right? And they have all these great programs for all the kids and et cetera, et cetera, right? They have all the bells and whistles and lots of people like going to churches and, you know, and I don't, I don't blame them. But there are many churches, they have all the bells and whistles, but they don't have this community where you can be in front of a set of people and they will know your junk and you will be safe. And you can begin to feel security. And in that place, you can let the garbage come out. You can let the cream cheese get cleaned up. I would way rather be in a tiny little church that has this than in a big mega church that doesn't. Let me tell you that. It's, that's, that's, that's what security is about. It's being around people who really know you and they care about you and you know they're okay, right? Then you'll be okay. We all want to think, I don't care about what anybody else thinks of me. I'm, I'm just secure in myself. I just tell myself that I'm okay. You know, if you actually believe that, you are an idiot. You'll be a sociopath or worse, right? Um, if I didn't, you know, I'd actually change and do stuff to my hair and stuff like that. Part of it is to serve you, <laughs> so I don't make, but you know why I also do it? I just do it just because of my wife. My wife cares about what my haircut looks like, right? If it wasn't for my wife, here's the way I would do my hair. I'll just buzz it all off. I'll just buzz it all off because I'm kind of lazy and I don't like taking showers every day. So I'll just buzz it all off and then it, would, it wouldn't look so greasy and then it would just be so easy. I'll just go, okay, I just wander out. But my wife doesn't want me to look like that. She hates it. And so for her, I do it. And if it weren't for my wife, I wouldn't shave. Shaving, you know, shaving is a really annoying, okay? And um, um, I happen to be one of the, the top 5% of Asian male hairy kind of guys, all right? My brother, you know, I guess, I need to shave. I'm like, oh, yeah, so you're going to snip the little four hairs off the right there? You know, oh, you've shaved. <laughs> I always wish I could just kind of like take a pair of scissors and snip off the four hairs, and then I'd be like, hey, I'm, I'm done, right? But unfortunately, I, I'm a little Homer Simpson-ish, okay? And if it weren't for my wife, I would have buzzed hair. I would be buzzed, and I'd have like, probably like a beard. Isn't that, wouldn't that be terrible? That would be what your pastor would look like. <laughs> um, it would look pretty na- nasty, honestly. Um, but you know why I change for her? Because she loves me. And, and I'm secure in front of her. I can be dirty in front of her. And, and when she asks me to change this, and she goes, that looks ugly. Don't do that to your hair. <laughs> I listen. <laughs> I actually listen. Because she loves me. And in front of her, I'm secure. And because she gives that to me, and she is the most, one of the most important voices in my life. Actually, a security starts to rest up inside of me. And so then when I go in front of some of you, 
you know, who may not love me so much, but Pastor, you were an idiot. That was a stupid sermon last week, right? I'm like, I hate you. <laughs> I hate you. I'm going to leave this church. I'm going to tell people you're an idiot and never come to this church. I'm like, oh, gosh, right? You know, then I can, then I can go, okay, I hate you. You're stupid. You're not a Christian. You don't know any Bible. So, like, hope your life gets wrecked because you're an idiot. That's one way I can go. I can go the self-defense route, scoffing route. You hurt me. I hurt you back. Or I can go, oh. Gosh, I'm bad, you know, beat on myself, hate myself, insecure route. But you know one of the things that helps me not be that way, to actually hear that, those criticisms? Because sometimes the criticisms are valid, sometimes they're not, okay? But sometimes they're valid, is because when I go home, I process it with my wife. And I know she loves me. And I'll bounce that off of her, and she goes, yeah, that was a good criticism. <laughs> That was a good criticism. That part of the sermon was dumb. Don't say that anymore. <laughs> oh, okay, all right, all right. <laughs> That's, uh, don't do that anymore. Right? Um, part of it is that. It's because when I'm with a voice that's important to me, little pieces of security can go and I can hear it. But here's where the gospel is so important. Martin Luther used to say to his people, and he was all about the gospel, you know, you realize like all of Germany became Lutheran. <laughs> and Martin Luther basically, literally, I've read his sermons. He has like only like five sermons. And he would just repeat them all, all the time. <laughs> it's like, wow, the guy literally has only five sermons. But one of the things he used to say is, you are, if you believe in Jesus and redeemed by him, you are simultaneously a sinner and just at the same time. This is what he's saying. Like, what? What does that mean? He's like, that makes no sense. And what he means by that is, Jesus died for you on the cross. His blood washed you. And before God, when God looks at you, He doesn't see all the crud. He sees all of the absolute perfections and the beauty and the worthiness and the holiness of Christ. And that's what He sees on you. You're fully justified. You're utterly safe in front of God. But he goes, but wait a second, when I go throughout my day, I'm selfish and I'm insecure and I'm angry and I'm defensive and I'm lustful and I'm greedy, etc., all this other stuff. And he goes, yes, that is true. And God sees and knows all that stuff, but you're still justified. See? Only if you could believe that, you are much worse than you are, but in Christ, you are absolutely safe. And you are loved. You know, um, one of my favorite preachers is this, he's becoming more famous, this guy named Timothy Keller. He translated Luther's way of putting it. He would say, you're a lot more sinful and wicked than you ever imagined. But, you are more loved. You are more accepted. You are more Okay. You are more safe. You are more secure if you let the voice of Christ reign over you. And if you let that voice of Christ through what He has done on the cross reign over you, it's like what I get from my wife, but times a million. And bit by bit, you, when you look at yourself apart from Christ, of course you stink. And of course yourself, you don't listen. And you're so full of insecurity but you constantly turn around, it's, can it be true? Can it be true that in Christ I am utterly secure and safe and loved 
and loved and loved. That whenever Jesus speaks to you, this is the gospel, you're going to go through the Proverbs and every now and then the Proverbs are going to tell you you're stupid. But you won't actually change and follow them until you hear the other part behind the Proverbs, which is the voice of Jesus saying, I have loved you. I have redeemed you. I have made you secure. You are secure. You are safe. That's like my wife times a million. And once you can have that, then you can go into community. And when people start telling you, hey, ugly wart, cream cheese, other worse things on you, you can hear it. And you'll say, actually, oh, thank you. Thank you. And then you can begin to do this for other people with gentleness and kindness. And imagine if you have a community like this where people can do this. It'll change you. Where they offer you security. It's not just your wife, but five or ten or twelve brothers and sisters. They offer you this. And constantly, you're always reminded, Jesus makes you safe. He makes you safe. He makes you safe. More and more, it'll allow you to listen. And let the cream cheese get washed off, and you'll change. And you'll become more and more beautiful, and more and more wise. And imagine if there's communities like this. It's so important. It doesn't matter if the church has a thousand people or ten. <laughs> if you are, if there's five people in a mud hut, hmm? it doesn't matter. That's so beautiful. It'll attract. It'll attract all the, the fools out there wrecking their lives. It'll attract and draw people toward the Lord and toward life and toward wisdom. Let's pray. <clears throat> We're really bad, Lord. (laughs) We have a right to privacy. And nobody has a right to talk to me that way and tell me what's wrong with me. And the last thing we can possibly imagine is letting actually somebody else see our garbage. When actually underneath the garbage, there's the garbage of not wanting anybody to see the garbage, which is even worse than the garbage itself. Oh, man, we are such a lost and foolish people. We need you, Jesus. And Lord, we don't believe in you enough. And we have heard that you have loved us and have made us secure through the cross. But we confess to you, we don't believe it. And instead, we go out and we run our own wisdom, the wisdom of privacy and self-sufficiency and insecurity and self being controlling our lives and overestimating our wisdom. But I pray today you would give us a big dose of profoundly liberating true humility (laughs) through the hand of Christ flowing from His cross. Your Spirit will put a big dosage of real security so that we can take one small little steps toward real wisdom. I pray, Lord, you would make us wise people. When we gather in our community groups, when we just get together and have lunches, when, when we hang out and talk, we would not be so insecure and only talk about sports or clothes or, or what's the latest cool app on our iPhones or Android devices. Instead, we would have real conversations 
and actually invite people, hey, let me know my cream cheese. And Christ would come and reign in the midst of us. And we would change and we would celebrate that. We would get the great freedom of being liberated from ourselves and our insecurities. Make us wise people and deep people, Lord, this summer. In Jesus' name, amen.